Hello, everybody, and welcome to an edition of Coach's Corner. I've got a great interview for you today. And if you missed last week's Coach's Corner, Stephanos and I answered some relationship questions. We've been getting a lot of great feedback to that. So if you missed that one, go back and check it out. And as always, every Wednesday, a live life coaching episode airs on the show. So that's where you can listen to me really dig deep with someone. And I never know what we're going to talk about. I never know anything about the person before they come on the show. So it's a great way to get an inside look at what coaching looks like and also learn a few things about yourself. I hear over and over again from my amazing listeners that no matter what the topic, you learn something for yourself. And something I have for you, a free gift I have for you, is a holiday meditation. I know it can be a time of year where there's a lot of joy and a lot of magic and a lot of fun, but it can also be a time of year where there's some stress and some loneliness. So my gift to you is a guided meditation and visualization process that you can really, really tap into the magic that happens this time of year. Anytime we're in the holiday season, anytime that it's the end of the year, for those of us on this side of the world, it's also winter, and it's a really a time to go within. It's really not the time of year that we're supposed to be out doing a lot of things. So I made this meditation to support you in going within so that when you do go out, when you do go outside of you to parties or family gatherings or whatever it may be, you feel more balanced and connected. You can go and get your copy of this gifted meditation at christinehassler.com slash holiday. And I'll also put that link in the show notes. And before I introduce our guest for today, ladies, I want to talk to you about your bra. If you're like most women, your bras really aren't supporting you in the way that they can. You may not have the right size. The material might not be right. The straps may be hurting. Please don't torment yourself anymore with the wrong bra. Go and get your bra from Third Love. Third Love is the industry leader with 70 sizes, including its signature half cup sizes. They've used millions of real women's measurements. So Third Love designs its bras with breast size and shape in mind for impeccable fit and incredible feel. There's quality in every stitch and the details really make the difference from premium fabrics to expert design. And it's super convenient. Skip the trip to the store where you have to go in those fluorescent lighted dressing rooms and try on bras. Find your perfect fit in 60 seconds with Third Love's online fit finder. Order and try on at home. No more of those awkward fitting room experiences. That was huge for me. I really hate going to the store. So knowing that I could just take their Fit Finder quiz, get the perfect size for me, have it delivered to my house, and I can return it if it doesn't fit, it just made shopping for a bra so much easier. And they also have their new cotton collection, and that's really important to me. I really like wearing 100% cotton whenever I can. And they created this cotton collection because Third Love takes their customer input seriously. It took them two years to develop and perfect the cotton collection, which is made with a premium cotton called Pima. The result is a line of incredibly soft, smooth, and breathable bras and underwear you'll want to wear every day. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering my listeners 15% off your first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash over it now to find your perfect fitting bra and get 15% off your purchase. Again, thirdlove.com slash over it for 15% off today. And now let me tell you about my guest today. 
Ajit is a longtime friend of mine. We met through Mind Valley, and he actually helped produce my course for Mind Valley called Unleashed. It's a training program for coaches. So I'll put the link to that in the show notes as well if you want to check that out. But Ajit has had an incredible, incredible story. He was born to a middle-income family and grew up in an extended family of 23 people all living in the same house. So obviously space and money were scarce, and so as a little boy, he dreamt of abundance. Ajit made a decision to plant himself where he could grow. From starting as a trainee in a nonprofit, he has since held various roles, including CEO of Valley, co-founder of Valley Teach, co-founder of Global Grit Institute, and co-founder of Epic Business. He's also an author of the best-selling book, The Book of Coaching. His new book is Live Big, which we talk about in this episode. Ajit has learned it's possible to create the abundant reality we want. He is so passionate to share the business and productivity strategies that help him build and grow numerous multiple million-dollar businesses so we can ignite abundance in business and life for all of humanity. So enjoy my conversation today with Ajit. Ajit, thank you so much for being here. It's always nice to have friends on the show. I am so excited to be here, Christine. Well, you know me and you know this audience, and this is an audience that definitely, I could say reinvents themselves, but it's more about they wake up and they realize <laughs> that they rediscover themselves. They realize that the path they're going down isn't the most aligned path. It isn't the path to their highest potential and to their ultimate mm-hmm. fulfillment. But that isn't always a blissful wake-up call because you're like, wait, what am I supposed to do if this isn't it? And I know you had a pretty powerful turning point where you rediscovered or reinvented yourself, whatever we want to call it. Let's start there. Tell us about that time in your life. So like like you mentioned, a lot of us sometimes and go through the stage in our life or where we are at the place where we always wanted to be at or somewhere close to the place we wanted to be at and we realized we've ended up at the wrong destination that kind of happened with me a few years ago i was running this wonderful company called mind valley i was the ceo of the company and people who are looking to wake up or have woken up they've somehow stumbled into this organization one way or another uh, usually especially in the western world and and i was running the company and it was something that i always wanted to do because it was about a decade ago that i got introduced to the organization as an intern and my goal was to become the ceo of the company my goal was to be able to become abundant being the ceo of the company and 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 i got it i got it right it was one of those moments where i was like yay I got it. I made it. The kid from India who grew up in a household of 23 other people, lack of abundance has made it. And that's what everybody said as well to me that I made it. And and I and I, and I kept doing it and seemed right. It seemed right. It seemed right. It seemed right until one day, actually quite a few days where I would wake up or not be able to sleep for, for a really long time and wake up really dissatisfied and empty. And I couldn't understand it because I was like, hey, listen, I've got the perfect job in a way. I have the car, I have the house, I have the relationship, or it would seem like I have the relationship. Why is it that I feel so unsatisfied? Why is it that I feel unhappy in this moment? I should be grateful. I should be happy. And and I couldn't make sense of it. I couldn't make sense of it then. And and so I started to first ask questions as to why is it that I am so discontent or why do I feel so discontent? Especially because it, it seemed like I should be really happy because it was everything that I always wanted. And I realized that in the process of making a living, I had paid that process and paid for that living for with my life. 
So what I've done in the process, and this is, I, I'm sure a lot of us will resonate, is, is where I, I got this validation from the world. I got this title that the world acknowledges and appreciates of being a very successful person financially, but I forgot that life is a component of many other things, not just your career, right? And so while creating that living for myself, I had just compromised everything else in my in my life. I had my health was deteriorating, uh, my relationships were in shambles, my 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 relationship with my parents, my family, all of it was not really strong. I had lost friendships that were 10, 15 years old at that time. So it was a really hard, tough moment for me. But at the same point in time, I couldn't make sense of why this was a hard, tough moment for me because I always thought, well, maybe that's the price you pay for success. And that's the Mm. common dialogue that we always hear, right? That's the price you pay. And what more do you want? And those were the things that I was told at that time as well. But it was true to my heart to go on an endeavor to really rediscover myself and really find what is it that I really, really want? And can I actually create that in my life? Can I actually... Uh, bring it to reality and not just in my in my dreams. Mm, I love that. And you grew up in a house with 23 people? Yes. I, I grew up in a small town in Jaipur with 23 other people in the same house. Yes. Wow. These are, not, these are not like my, like they're not kids of my parents. These are cousins and my yeah. grandparents and grandparents' cousins and all of that stuff. Yeah. What was that like? Did you like it? <laughs> was there a lot of love in the house? Was it, I mean, how was that? Yes and no, because uh, when 23 people live together, it's basically we were six families sharing the space, right? So when there are six families, every family dynamic is is different. Uh, so it's not always love. It's not always hate. There's not always anger. There's not right. always drama. There's a mix of everything, right? But living uh, with 23 people is uh, is what, in a way, drove me to be in my initial years, we so driven towards money and wealth mm-hmm. is because uh, when you share a household of 23 with 23 other people, what happens is that you tend to lose uh, or tend to be really, really driven towards saying, how can I get out of this? Yeah. And that was my my driver. And I and I realized that late in life, like when I was in my teens, I, I went through this this journey of really a place where I had to, I had to find a way to get out of that reality. And, and that got me to take some, that, that got me to really take big risks at the age that I was at, uh, try different jobs, try different careers and try everything so I could somehow get out of that house. Um, and that's, yeah, that's, that's how yeah. I grew up. So I yeah. in, it was fun sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Not, well, yeah. <laughs> game night. It's fun. So yeah. this, I'm, I love that you connected these dots because that's what we do a lot on the show. We connect mm-hmm. the dots between our childhood experiences and what we create as adults. And often our childhood experiences create programming that leads to more kind of unconscious behavior, like the dot you just connected. I, mm-hmm. I didn't have wealth. I didn't have abundance. I don't want to you know, live in a house with 23 people when I get older. And I, wealth is my way out of that. So I'm just going to drive, 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 push, push, push myself to have the money. But then you had your spiritual awakening, human awakening, whatever we want to call it. And you're like, oh, wow, that formula doesn't work. Like that path isn't actually leading me to fulfillment. So once you realize that, because a lot of people are in that position, what did you do? Well, the first step for me when I when I really realized that what I was doing as a CEO of a company was not only a not really helpful to me and it was hurting me. It was also hurting people around me. 
So first step was for me to really know that what I am ignoring uh, or what I'm not acting upon is only temporary right now in the sense of, of that I might enjoy this uh, success, but it is temporary because it's, there is no holistic approach to it. And that, that was the first realization that I had as I was spending those nights really trying to go to sleep, but I couldn't because I had tremendous amount of anxiety and fear and, and discontent with my day. So, so I was, and I was really alone as well at that time. So, so that kind of was the first thing that realization was that this is not sustainable. It might feel right right now in this moment as, as I'm looking at it, because it looks right from the outside in, Mm -hmm. but I knew inside out it wasn't good. So that was the first step to really, really know that this is not sustainable and it's going to end sooner or later. Then the second step was really to be able to go, okay, what is it that I want to create? Because Mm -hmm. I I truly believe that if you really want to create a life, it can't be a reactive life. You can't go and look out in the world and go, okay, what do I want next? It has to be a proactive, creative place that you come from where you say, what is it that I want in the world? And what is it that I want to create in the world? How is it that I want to impact the world? How is it that I want to impact myself? What's the life that I want to live? Do I even care about what I'm doing in the world or do I only care about what I want to do for myself? All of those are questions to ask and answers to find. And that was the first step of my journey to really start to wonder what is it that if I had anything and everything that I could have, what is it the life that I would like to design? What is it that I would really, really want to have on a daily basis? What's my ideal day looking like? And and that kind of set me off on a path that would get me to again, make a set of decisions where I would experiment with certain ideas. Like one of the things, biggest decisions that I had to make at that time was I couldn't continue to be the leader of a company that I absolutely love. And it's a fantastic company and it had nothing to do with the company itself, but everything to do with my stage of life, uh, Mind Valley. And I had to say, hey, I can't run Mind Valley as a company, even if I love the purpose, the passion, the movement itself and the clients and the people that I interact with, I love them all, but I can't really do this because I needed space for myself. I needed to redesign my life in a way which fitted what I really wanted on a long term for myself. And then those decisions led to other decisions to really discover each area of the life that I thought was was area that I wanted in my life to really be fulfilling and fulfilled. I, I went in and I, and I tackled one at a time. A lot of times it meant where I had to go back to some of the relationships that I had discounted, I hadn't really invested time in and really heal that part, like heal that part with my family. I heal that mm-hmm. part with my friends. I heal that part for my with my own self, honestly, as well, because my relationship with myself was pretty flawed as well. It was a big mass that I would walk around with. So I, I kind of tackled each area and each area had a different thing that I had to do. To be able to redesign, some of it was very strategic, for example, for business and all that stuff. I didn't I didn't necessarily have a lot to heal, but I had a lot to redesign strategically mm, mm-hmm. to be able to come up with a bit better business model that allowed me the space and time that I wanted for my creativity to flow, for me to be able to write books, which I truly enjoy and stuff like that. So, so it, it changed based on the area of life that I wanted to focus on, but I kind of went into each area of life that I wanted to tackle. I wanted to redesign and I envisioned a particular thing for it. And I, and I went and I started working on that. Okay. So you make that sound <laughs> rather easy. <laughs> <laughs> You know, so yeah. <laughs> what what did you do when the 
what the F am I doing? And can I really do this? And why am I leaving? What did you do when the fear and the doubt came up? Or did it not? Had you been kind of so immersed in the Mind Valley culture that you were able to kind of get through that just by changing your thoughts about it? What were the real like human hard parts that 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 made you think maybe I'll just go back? Or did you ever have those moments? I, I had the moments of fear where I, I kind of went, if I, if I lose this, I'll lose at all. Uh, it also happened in pretty much not all the areas, but some areas that were prominent in my life at that time. Like I had to end a relationship, a, a long relationship that I've had at that time. Uh, I, I was quitting this job, which I had worked so hard for. And these were things that were really hard for me to let go. And it took me a while to really make that decision. They were not easy decisions. Uh, and I gave it all the time I could. I gave it all the healing that that I could, I could, I gave it all the, all the rationalization I could. And, and honestly, I was scared. Like I was really, really scared when I made that decision. Eventually when I, you know, like it's one of those things in your mind, you I had practiced this so many times in my mind because I had gone through the process of like, do I really want to do this? Is that the right thing? Or is it just a momentary thing? You know, like doubts come in when you're about to make a big decision. It's like, but I, I, this is, this is what everybody thinks is the right way of living life. Why do I have to mess around with it? Right. Why can't I just chill out? Why can't I just live this the way it is? I mean, why do I have to disrupt everything? And all those things kept coming back and pushing back at me. But I had to constantly evaluate and work and be honest towards myself and say, what is it that I really want? What is it that I want to create for myself? Because I can, of course, get comfortable with where life is right now. But that would not lead me mm -hmm. to the place where I really, yeah. really want to be. And that kind of got me to it was it's, it's always hard, especially when you're letting go of things. It's always difficult. It's not easy. It involves all the drama and the emotions and the crying and, and, and feeling of not good enoughness and all of that stuff comes up. But that's a part of the process is how I see it is probably why I make it sound easy, but it's not easy. But I see it as a part of the process. I see yeah. it as a part of the flow is how would you heal something if you will not accept that it's happening? Right. Right. How would you get past it? Right. Well, and I think too, like, you know, the fear of not doing it has to become bigger than the fears that are there in the process of doing it. Because otherwise it's it's real easy to to talk ourselves out of anything. Okay. So you decided to leave, you thought about the life that you wanted, all that that kind of thing. How did you deal with the kind of old programming or old identity of, you know, in order to get what I want, I have to create money? Like, did your values and priorities shift? Did you have to come up with sort of a new identity in some ways? Yeah, definitely my priorities shift in the sense of what my true values are, because I realized that, and I went through this exercise where we wrote down what is the most important thing for me, right? That was one of the, one of the million exercises that we did. One of them was mm -hmm. to really write down what is it that, how is it that I operate, right? What's the number one item that I think about? Uh, on a daily basis or when I'm making a decision. And it was a hard one to accept, but at that time it was money, that I was driven by money. And, and there was nothing wrong with it from the context of the reality that I came from. I didn't find anything wrong with that. But I also realized in that exercise as we went through it is that if money would stay as my number one priority, how will I build relationships? Because I will always compromise on saying, oh, I can always not do that holiday with a friend, right? Mm -hmm. Because I will say money. Right. Or I can always not do that one trip back to India to meet with my family because I save money. Right. So there's always money is going to take over everything else that I actually want in my life. So I want money, too, but I also want the relationship and I also want this and that and this and that. 
So I was like, I, I want to get it all, but I have to find a, what is actually true to me? Because again, remember me wanting money as my number one value was my programming, right? I grew up in a house of 23. There was, that was the programming I had. If I want to get out of it, money had to become priority at a stage of my life. But at the same point in time, is that honestly me? What is the honest to you is, is something that's almost like our DNA is how I believe. It's something that is so deep rooted that we kind of layer it up with the experiences of our childhood and, and, and our adulthood, right? But if you really, really go down to it, all of us human beings have really simple values and places that we want to operate from. For me, it was service and love. I was like, that's the place that I want to operate from. I find tremendous joy when I can contribute to somebody else's reality or my reality or my parents' reality or my friend's reality. And if I'm always operating from a place of love, no hate, no greed, no nothing, just place of love where I say, hey, can I, can I, can I just love this person, this event, this identity, whatever that is, right? Mm -hmm. So, so as I discovered that, I reevaluated the way I was operating in, in the world. And, and I did still consider because it's, I don't, I don't think when we are changing reality, we don't have to be so sudden with it that we right. actually lose money, right? And I didn't, and that, that's not because of the love of money, but it's because if we don't have that uh, structure in place or some way of actually taking care of that, uh, we have fear that takes over. Or it had happened with me in the past and I, I was pretty sure that it'll happen because I can't not not pay the bills, right? That that's just not my not that's just not my way of doing. Plus, I come from India where we don't have credit cards and not a great credit system. So it wasn't that that, that was an option. It was an option of saying, "Oh, I can take a bunch of loans and 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 take care of myself while I figure this out." So I did still operate from a place of saying, "Hey, I want to live in a place of service and love. What is the thing that I can create that will allow me to be able to do that while paying off my bills? But at the same point in time, let me operate from my place instead of responding to." other people's needs. I respond to my own human need of saying, I want to be in a place of service and love. And at the same point of time, I have the time and space to do whatever I want. So I recreated my life around other companies that I built post that. Uh, one of them is Evercoach, where, where you are a featured author on. Uh, another one is Global Grid Institute. And there's a couple of other companies that I've invested in, which kind of takes care of the rev all the revenue generation that I need for me to be able to live a really thriving life. But at the same point in time, it doesn't take so much time that I can't invest with my uh, can't invest that time with my friends or my family or on myself with exercise and workout and travel and writing, which I really like. So things that I really, really like, I still get the time for it while being able to still serve the world with great products and great services. Mm, I love that. So part of what you've done in this now that you're more living in alignment with your passion is you've written your first book. Live big. Mm -hmm. What was the inspiration behind that? And what did you really want to share with people? Because I think whenever we write a book, we think, how can I contribute to the conversation and how can I offer something that's not yet out there? You know, that's why I always write my books. It's like I'm looking for that book and I can't find it. So I write it. Yeah. Uh, so what, what was your inspiration for this? So my inspiration for this was it started with my own personal journey where I asked myself the question of saying, can we build a business and also have a great life? Because that was the dialogue outside of the world is work hard, work till you're till you drop, because that's the way to build a company and that's the way to build a business. And I, I like I told in my story, I was like, I, that's not what I'm I, I just don't want to do that. I want to be the guy who also gets to enjoy life. I get to enjoy different things and have different experiences. So first, it was for me to find a way to actually be able to do that. I want to grow my companies. I want to make money. But at the same point of time, I want to live a great life. Right. So that started as a personal experiment. 
And in, as a part of the experiment, as I started to work with other CEOs and founders, and this was part of one of the other companies that I started as a coach. And as I was working with these founders and CEOs, I found that it seems like it's a pattern. All of us entrepreneurs and CEOs tend to just overwork so much more without realizing that there is more to life. And actually, you can grow your company so much more if you actually work less. Mm-hmm. And, and that we just don't realize it. We understand it as a statement, but we actually don't practice it. Most of us don't. And so I started taking these principles and I giving it away to these different CEOs and founders. I'm like, hey, why don't you try this? Why don't you try this? And it seemed to work every single time. Companies that I work with tend to grow from 30% to 200% year on year, while the entrepreneur works about half the time. So I was like, hey, listen, something is up here. Something is working here. Now, here's the secret sauce of it all. I didn't have one playbook for people. So you see most of the books that we read around business is about saying, here is what we tried in the company. Here is what you should do, right? But we all know all companies are different, like all human beings are different. They're not the same principles. We learn something from it, but it's not always the exact same answer. It's a different answer. What I found is one of the key ways to shift the reality of the company is to shift the way people think in the company mm-hmm. as employees and as, as founders and CEOs of the company. So what I was really doing with these founders and CEOs, what I was really doing for myself is I shifted perspective, is I asked a different question. I asked a different or I started a different conversation. And it wasn't something that I was just saying, hey, this is I am coming up with. No, it was backed by science. It was backed by research from other people, but it was never really compiled into a single conversation where we said, hey, these are the 25 different principles that if you would consider, it will change the way you look at your business and will change the output that you create for your company. And that's really what Live Big is all about. Live Big is is a shift in perspective. Live Big is a guidebook and a, and a book that you keep by the side of your desk. And anytime you feel challenged, you flip over to a page and you will find a solution. Anytime you feel like you want to grow your company even more, you flip over a page and hopefully you'll find a solution. It's not a linear dialogue. It's not ABC. It's not a step-by-step. I trust all entrepreneurs are smart enough to figure out their steps-by-step or step-by-step. But what I really want to offer is a different perspective so we can think about our businesses and our lives in a slightly different way, which will create a dramatic mm-hmm. impact in growth of ourselves and our companies. Yes. So what about, for, okay, so for people that may not have a company, but definitely love the perspective switch, I, I love that. I, you know, <laughs> spiritual definition of a miracle is a change in perception. So yay, <laughs> love that. <laughs> what about people that aren't necessarily entrepreneurs, business owners? Is this book for them as well? Absolutely. It is for them. There might be some chapters they might not be able to relate that strongly with. Uh, because well, they are written in context of a business, but the perspectives are important to everyone. These perspectives are useful for anybody who is a leader in an organization or is a professional who is wanting to create great results in their companies. So it is applicable to everyone, but it is written from the perspective of an entrepreneur. So while you read it, just be open to the idea that it's written from the lens of uh, the entrepreneur, but the principles are applicable everywhere. So can you give us an example? Give me an example of a perspective switch from the book that we can learn. So for example, let's talk about one of the chapters called Time Challenge. And Time Challenge basically talks about how we think that time is this thing where you invest six hours or eight hours and putting a much amount of time will create the relative output for you. It could be applicable for an entrepreneur 
or for a professional, right? That's how we think time really works. That's what we get paid for. Whereas if you really study time and how we as human beings react to time and we mix certain principles that have been well-researched like Pareto principles, Parkinson law, and deep work mode, you would find that if you actually work in a deep state for a short burst of time, you will create greater quality result in a short span of time versus working long hours. Now that's counter to everything that we have been taught until now. It's been told to us that you should be working hard for a really, really long number of hours. But what I argue in the book and present evidence for is actually you want to work less to be able to create great results for us as, as human beings in today's reality. You see, in today's world, we are intellectual workers. We are not factory workers anymore. We don't need to do eight-hour days. We need to do three, four-hour days. And that's all we really need to create dramatic impact. And this is true for professionals too, because professionals are also intellectual workers in today's time, right? And because of that, you only need like four, maybe three, maybe four hours of work every single day, but you need to make it high quality, high output. And that all is discussed in the book. One of the yeah. chapters, this is just one of them. Oh, okay. Give us, give us two more, two more, and then we'll wrap it up. <laughs> Those are so good. I love the practical. <laughs> so the second one is what I call the, the theory of super correlation. Super correlation basically implies, and because this is the world of personal development, it will resonate so well and land so well, is that we always think that we should get paid for the job, right? We should, we always think in the professional setting, we go, I do this, I should get paid this, Right. Whereas the truth about what your payment always is, is that you actually have to invest a lot more. Your value that you add in your job is significantly higher to what you actually get paid. And that's also why you never actually get a title in a company before you're actually that person in the company. So if you want to get the title of CEO, you show up as the CEO first. You add the value that a CEO adds first, and then you get the title of the CEO. People flip it around. They go, oh, one day I want to be that person. And they go, one day I want to be that person. I want to get that title. Where else you have to go, if I want to be that person, I got to show up like that person today. So you have to add so much value without saying I will get an equal return. It's not one for one. It's maybe three for one. You add value worth three, you will get one. And you got to understand that as a theory of super correlation is to go, you stack on, stack on, stack on, stack on, and eventually Whenever it is recognized that all that all that value that you've stacked on it gets recognized, you get a return, but never directly proportionate to what you did. It's always less than what you did, but that's okay. And that's how it works. And that's okay for it to work that way. But we need to be mindful of that and not get frustrated, which is what happens. Because what most of the time we get frustrated, oh, I did so much and I got so little. It's not a great place to operate from once you understand the principle itself, that that's how it's supposed to work. You're supposed to add more value than the return that you get. You switch your dialogue and you show up very differently and you tend to also get results faster. Mm, I love it. Uh, okay. Any other ones you want to share before we tell people where they can get the book? I have 25 principles I can keep sharing. <laughs> this will make it like a two-hour episode. Uh, let me think. Let me think. Okay. Let's do one. Okay. The, the, a common theme that comes up on this show is self-sabotage. So what would be a good principle if like you really feel yourself getting in your own way? If you really feel yourself getting in your own way and, and if you are self-sabotaging, I'm trying to think what principle would be the best one to quote for that. Why does self-sabotage happen? Well, a couple things. So, I mean, I know you're asking kind of a rhetorical question, but we can talk it out because that's, that's valuable information as well. So it happens for a couple of reasons. One, 
Mm -hmm. don't think we deserve. We don't think we deserve it. There's still limiting beliefs around worth or enoughness or value. Two, we're actually scared of it. We're scared of the responsibility of it. Like we want it, but it's like, can we really handle it? And three, Mm -hmm. sometimes there's just sort of like unresolved issues where our kind of unconscious mind still pulls us towards the familiar, even if the familiar Mm -hmm. is toxic or not what we want. And so we're like kind of being pulled back to what we know versus what we want. Okay. So, so here's why self-sabotage happens, right? One of the, one of the things that we know self-sabotage happens is because we tend to go towards a goal and we tend to think that's where all the happiness lies or that's what will make us finally feel good enough or responsible enough or, or, you know, like successful enough or whatever that dialogue is that is in our head. Uh, and because of that, if you're chasing that, that goal, we tend to uh, shut ourselves down if we don't feel like we're going to get close. Have you ever seen, uh, and I'm sure you've seen, and all of us have observed this in our behavior, is we set our yearly goals. And as we set our yearly goals, three months later, sometimes we're like, ah, let's quit that, quit on that goal. Oh, sure, well, sure. Well, that, why does that happen? That happens because of, because of self-sabotage. But it also happens because when you set out a goal for one year, you almost always, and this is a, this is a pattern, right, uh, which we've seen enough times, is that when you set out a year-long goal, you think, that's it. Once I get this goal, that's it. I'm done. This is awesome, right? But that's not how life is, is it? Life's going to go on to the second year, the third year, the fourth year, the fifth year, the sixth year, the seventh year. Life just keeps going on. You see, life doesn't, it, life's not going to the point. Life's like music. Alan Watts said it beautifully, right? He says, life is like music. You don't wait for the last note of the music, for the music to end. You enjoy the music as is. You go the up, the downs, the lefts and the rights and everything, right? You love the whole package. That's how life is. So what if we moved our goals, right? Because self-sabotage is in context of goals, right? What if our goals are not set for one year? What if your goals are set for five years or 10 years from now? Because we know in context of business or in context of life, let's say even if you are 50 right now, you tend to on an average age, if you live even the average age, you'll live another 30 years. Why do a year long goal? Do a five year goal. That's only what 20% of your entire lifetime that you're gonna live now. Only 20% of that lifetime. Why not set five, 10-year goals? So here's what happens when you put a five or 10-year goal in front of us. When you put a five or 10-year goal, it takes away all the anxiety and it actually reduces the self-sabotage that you'll create because three months later into the next year, you don't go, oh, I'm not going to go get my goal. You have still four and a half years. You got all the time in the world. You will get your goal, right? And and I'm, and this is so funny because I've done this exercise so many times and I've done it with my clients as well so many times where I say, write your year-long goal, right? And once they write the year-long goal, I say, just move it five years from now. Does it feel bad? Most of the time, it doesn't feel bad to anybody. It's like, no, even if I get it in five years, it's cool because it's something really cool. Like they want to buy a, ha- a new house next year or they want to buy the, their dream car next year, right? And I'm like, move it five years from now. Does it hurt? No, it doesn't. All right. So let's let's have that as five years as a goal. And now let's work towards it. It becomes so much easier for them to actually approach that goal that the chances of them sabotaging actually reduces dramatically. And here's the other secret. When you put a goal for five years, because there's so much time between you and the goal, you will see you will tend to achieve it in the first two or three years. It actually mm-hmm. realizes it faster and it actually becomes a truth versus somebody putting a goal at a year long and quitting it in two or three months. Yeah. It's because of the reduced anxiety. It's about because now you have the time to really be able to create it and work towards it and fail at it, which we don't consider when we put a year long goal, right? We think we're going to try this and it's going to work. 
right? Yeah. And nobody considers failure in there. But we all know, because such is life, that we will fail at everything that we'll do. We're going to fail a couple of times before we get it right. So right. why not account for that and give ourselves the time? Because anyways, we're not like if you're dying tomorrow, well, we're going to die. Right. So there is nothing that you can do about it. And if you're not dying tomorrow, well, why not play a little bit long term and really have fun with it as well? Beautiful. I love it. I love your energy. I love this perspective. Thank you for listening to that smaller, loud voice within and really going <laughs> after what you're what you're truly here to do. Tell people where they can connect with you and where they can get the book. So you can get the book at livebigthebook.com, L-I-V-E-B-I-G-T-H-E-B-O-O-K, livebigthebook.com. You can order it anywhere, whatever online platform that you want to choose, or you can go to your nearest bookstore and pick up a copy of the book. It's available in all bookstores as well internationally. And to connect with me, you can connect with me on any of the social media networks. I'm available on Instagram, Facebook. I reply personally or just get the book. And we have a whole 21 day program where you do the program with us together. And and we also connect on a private group with the with the readers of the book to be able to share notes and ideas and perspectives and strategies between ourselves to be able to live a complete big life. Yeah, I love it. Be the biggest version of ourselves. Beautiful. Absolutely. Thank you so much for joining me today. Absolutely. Thank you so much for inviting me.